Hello and welcome back to the Big Gay Comfy Couch Podcast. Hey guys, thank you for listening in. How's it going, Matt? Uh, it's going pretty good. I'm just making some sourdough bread. Um, yeah. How are you nice. doing? I'm good. Yeah. I think uh, <laughs> it's been it's been a great couple weeks back here in Vancouver and uh, looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, me too. Um, so how's your dry January going, Ty? It's good. It's kind of flown by. Like January's flown by a lot. I've found. I can't believe it's already like we're getting to the back half of uh, January, but uh, it's been good. I've been trying a lot of different non-alcoholic <laughs> beers, which have been quite good. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um. So what? I'm curious about this too, because like, I think non-alcoholic beers are great. But what specifically attracts you to that? Like drinking that as opposed to like a soda or. Because it still tastes like I still, I don't know. I feel like people that drink beer tend to like the taste. Like the non-alcoholic Corona still tastes like a Corona. It's not exactly the same, but it definitely like still make like it still like feels like you're having beer, just like you just don't have the alcohol. Which the more like having them, the more I'm like getting used to like them. You know, like you can see the difference at the beginning, but now it's just like I don't know. It's it's nicer in a lot of ways as well. Yeah, I guess yeah. kind of like the same as like a decaf coffee. Really, it's like you want to have that like taste in your mouth, yeah. of like a hot coffee, or yeah. I guess in your case, a cold beer. Yeah, but you don't want the caffeine or the alcohol or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it still has all the pretty much like a lot of the active like ingredients that make it like taste like a beer. Like I think a lot of the times, like people don't drink necessarily drink beer to like like get drunk. It's like a nice thing to have after like a run or like a nice thing to have like i don't know like on a sunny day or like on a beach um so it still tastes that way yeah i feel like there are very specific days for me where i would enjoy like a cold beer because beer's never really been my thing but um i get that like i get people want that flavor and whatever so yeah i think the market's really expanding and such so i think i'm interested to see where it all yeah it kind of ends up it's a cool idea too. Apparently, like our generation is more like sober, curious, and like um, alcohol sales are going down and things like that. Um, specifically, I read about one in Japan, I think, um, where they're trying to promote more alcohol sales because it's such a big part of their industries, like Sapporo and I think sake and I think their country though too because they're so used to like people drinking a lot, a lot. That like even like an average drinker brings down sales like a lot for them because in like Japan and Korea like they drink like quite a bit yeah um, like it's a huge yeah it's a huge part of their culture so um, yeah I don't know yeah it's interesting but it's interesting and it also saves money which I think is great um, I would say in a sense definitely like not drinking out but I don't even know if like before drag January that I like that we really like consume that much alcohol out no at, and, uh, like yeah at restaurants and stuff but because the non-alcoholic beers are like not that different in price um than alcoholic beers right okay so i don't yeah. know if it saves as much money i don't know it's not necessarily about like saving money i would say it's more just about like you also get time back probably just from like i don't know like the time you spend like i don't know not like being your best self like the next day and stuff if you're like you're able to wake up earlier or like be more productive etc yeah mental clarity Mm -hmm. things like that for sure so 
I thought it'd be kind of interesting to talk about what our grocery budget is now versus like three, four years ago. So do you want to speak to that? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So three, four years ago, we had a grocery budget of $400. And I felt like during that time, yeah, like it was interesting because we would like easily like that wasn't that hard to hit. I would find like and now <laughs> I feel like even we've like our budget for groceries has doubled and we're still like definitely like w- like you're still cutting out a lot of like anything extra like it's really just <laughs> uh but yeah I don't know it's like but I think for us we're still trying to figure out like with like inflation being what it is like where like just we don't want to be like restricting ourselves necessarily from like groceries and stuff and like still having nice meals but it's hard to figure out because you still want to have a budget so that you're not like overspending like on groceries either yeah it's just about being like conscious of how much you're spending and but i think even the idea that it's doubled (laughs) in like four years and it's like we don't necessarily like we're just two people and we don't you know go like go crazy like at the grocery store necessarily or like no we really don't so it's like interesting to see kind of where things are at it's like the fact that like for most north american like and i mean global like global citizens at least like their groceries have doubled in price like yeah like gas like definitely more on like the the expensive side um like cost of living like rent etc um continuing to like go up so yeah i think it's interesting we're kind of in an interesting time um yeah because i think even if you look back at the 70s and 80s it's like 70s 80s 90s like there was inflation but i don't know if it was like like people talked about it being bad back then and like maybe it was as bad as it is now but it's like now it's like i don't (laughs) really really i think it's also hard because most wages have stayed like consistently the same yeah and like or stagnated and then like everything else is like doubled in price or like you know what i mean and so i can't i mean i think we think about like we talk about this a bit as well just like a family like of four like i just don't know what like a family if you're trying to have a family right now like what you're necessarily doing because even if you make like if you run the numbers if you make like 130 140,000 and you're trying to like like you know feed your family like you have a house if you have a mortgage like cars all this stuff like you're like wildly more like pinched than like any other generation to just like like have a family and like have kids and it's like interesting that like having kids has become like almost like a luxury like it's it's become like the new like mercedes-benz it's like well i'm like like i can afford to like have children type of deal which i feel like i'm seeing so many of our peers starting to have kids and i know they're not in like that much of a different financial situation than we are for example Mm -hmm. i just think about how are they affording it because yeah like i mean even us we probably eat vegetarian now about half the time, I would say. Mm-hmm. Our snacks might be some, like, cut-up veggies or, like, saltine crackers or, like, ramen. And then we try and have, like, a nice dinner. But, like, nothing crazy. Like, we're not over here eating, like, lobster and, like, steaks and stuff. We're having, like, a vegetarian, like, curry with some vegetables. Or, like, we're having, like, you know, like, 
some pasta that we make with like a sauce and like it's not like out of reason yeah um and uh and that's the thing like i think i'm i still like i'm grateful to be in like in a place where it's like we're not you know we can be we can observe that stuff and like move like like a budget accordingly and we can still like afford to eat and like like live but for a lot of people it's like that would be like you know devastating like especially with like interest rates like increasing on mortgages like at the fastest rate that they've like done in like several decades and you know market prices at least like here in canada like you know the average house is like eight hundred nine hundred thousand dollars and it's like i don't really know yeah like where um like what people necessarily are going to do if they do have kids because not only do you need to like have two incomes you need to still take care of your kids which is a whole other job so you're just like constantly i feel like for some people it's just like you're constantly like in motion like kind of you know i mean i guess if you have a really like good perspective on it and that you like you're still you get to have kids and you have these like lovely things in your life but i imagine it's like stressful because i know like i don't know i feel like for my parents it was still stressful like at times for every parent like a parent it gets like stressful during those like early years because you're just trying to keep everything together but I feel like now it's like you're really like it's it can be tough so yeah I don't know it's interesting to just see where like things are kind of like at from an economic standpoint I think I think because we've like printed more money than we have in the past like two years than we have in the past like like decade or two it's like interesting to see I mean, we have no idea, like, what the actual ramifications of that, like, are um, in the next decade or two. Um, but it can't, I mean, if you have, a, like, a, an infused supply of, of money into the system and it's not necessarily, like, distributed evenly, then it can, like, often, like, affect, like, the economy in different, like, different ways, right? Like, you get this, like, rapid, like, inflation because people have all, like, have cash on hand and are still willing to pay, like, grocery store prices because they, like, they do have the cash. But at the same time, like, and they also, like, still want to buy homes and et cetera. So it's, like, interest rate hikes, it's slowing things down, like, a bit. But it's interesting to just see because there is so much, like, um, cash in the system. I think you mentioned inflation in grocery stores yeah and things like that so uh, i want to talk about that a little bit and just in canada anyways for those listening in canada a large number of our grocery stores are owned by Loblaws corporation i would say like most of the places that we shop yeah for example like Loblaws, tnt fortino's value mart no frills independent grocers and like 20 or 30 more grocery stores i would say that i saw online um and in 2022, they outperformed their best performances of the past five years by 180 million or almost like a million dollars a day to date, um, which is wild. But the problem is that, like you were saying the other day, all their business lines are reported together, or not all of them, but many of them, like beauty, health, yeah. groceries. So it's hard for people to parse out what's driving such huge profit increases for them yeah for example on the analyst call for Loblaws one of like um the banking analysts uh, like was like 
inquiring basically and being like, where is this? Like, can you explain to me like where these earnings are being derived from? Um, Cause I'm a little concerned over like, you know, the, the government looking at like in investigating as to where like um, a lot of your earnings are being driven from. And their explanation was like, Oh, like we're, we're seeing like a large portion of like our beauty section, like at shoppers is like increasing in like sales because people are starting to go back to work mm-hmm. and it's like i just like can't fathom to believe that that's the case because it's like there's no way that's driving that much like money just basically on like a macro scare scale like a lot more people are buying like broccoli at double the price than they're buying like makeup that's like maybe been marked up like 30 percent more and people are still using makeup less than they were before the pandemic right like yeah many people are only going into the office maybe like two days a week or three and days we love a week. like a no makeup queen yeah we do <laughs> you know like yeah. so i feel like it can't be the case that it's only beauty driving these profit increases. Yeah, it's a deflection for sure. And they, they, they don't have to be like accountable like for those numbers like specifically. So it's like a very interesting industry. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. I look at it and I think I never thought I would like, demon, like demonize like grocers and think that they were like, like it's kind of like wrong, like ethically wrong, like what they're, you know, doing for... Because it's the idea that, like, yes, inflation has increased, but on the back end for a lot of these grocers, their cost of price, like, price per unit hasn't changed, like, that much. Like, maybe, like, hypothetically, it would go up, like, 20% for them because of manufacturing and, like, supply chain, which is, like, something that happened but is now, like, you know, quite resolved. Yeah. But they're charging double the price, and it's, like, well, how, like, if you could do that in any, any other industry, like, it would be insane. Like, you can't just, like, charge someone twice the price for rent just because, like, you decided, like, a year or two later that that was, like, the going rate. Like, there's regulations involved. Like, you can't, like, that's too much of, like, market manipulation. Like, you can't. Yeah. It's the same way, like, if alcohol got, like, doubled and the LCBO was charging, like, double the price for then like, i would start making a hooch in the toilet <laughs> yeah i mean you gotta do what you gotta do but you can't make <laughs> or price. just not drink which yeah also would be an equally but again, attractive again but it's also like there's a double part of it too because it's like okay alcohol is like a like something that's like you can drink and like it's something that's nice in your life it's a want but like food it's not a need is yeah. a necessity for human beings to live it should be heavily regulated when you think about it that way. But like, I don't think the government ever thought that, like, this was going to be, like, a situation that they would have to deal with. But it's, like, something that, yeah, should have been kind of addressed that you, like, you can only raise the cost of, like, food by similar to rent. Like, you know, like, 5% a year or, like, 10% a year. Or it has to get, like, vetted through the government before you can start charging, like, certain prices. Because it's, like, yeah, when you have a big player like Loblaws who has, like like so much of the market like in their control like they basically like can like set their own prices in in, like a lot of ways yeah i agree i think they should have to report any changes to their prices especially for like staples like eggs milk bread vegetables most things they should report to the government okay like our costs from x y and z like supply has increased this much so we're increasing our price 
in kind. Yeah. And their profits should be like probably regulated for sure. Yeah. But moving on to talk about rent, yeah. which you also mentioned. So this is from rentals.ca, the national rent rankings. Um, of course, the most expensive city to rent in is in our home, Vancouver, with the average rent of a one bedroom being twenty five ninety six. Um, that's like um, vacant one bedroom units across all of their listings. Um, Toronto is in number two with twenty four fifty seven. And then a lot of suburbs after that, like Burnaby, BC, 2450, Etobicoke, 2172. Then it goes down to like, you know, Mississauga, like all these other places outside Toronto. Even in Calgary, like Calgary's like 1600. And yeah, in Calgary's, for those of you who aren't in Canada, Calgary is supposed to be one of, you know, the most affordable cities to live in in Canada. But yet, Mm -hmm. even that's going up. And I just think about like, okay, I think it's still doable for... A couple who are both working to mm-hmm. afford a one-bedroom apartment right but i really believe it should be also affordable for a single person to afford their own apartment without roommates if they're working yeah like i think that's reasonable and i think i mean everyone should have a right to housing in general so i don't know how to rectify that with the situation but it's just um too much money really yeah it's interesting because you think about it and like yeah, it's the whole idea that, like, real estate, you know, real estate always goes up. And it's, like, we have seen that. Like, we definitely, especially in Canada, have seen that, like, you know, your investment 20 years ago in, in a certain property, like, regardless of what you invested in, you could have picked any house, any apartment, like, did well. But it's, like, for me, like, I think about it, I'm just, like, at some point, like, there is going to be a price that is too high. Like, there is eventually going to be a time where, like, rent can only increase like so so much so it depends i'm interested to see how things like pan out because like i mean i think the idea is is that we still have only been in this like financial system that we've been going through for like 120 years like we've actually like been doing it stably but if you go back through history like thousands of years of history like every like you know, every market has collapsed eventually. And especially because if you just keep on like printing money and then like bigger, bigger corporations like obtain more and more control and then they just reap like more and more profits, like eventually things like if you don't have a middle class to like to build out an economy, it's really hard to like for it to function well, like going forward long term. And you're noticing like a lot of people are like, I don't know, getting kind of squeezed out of that and like people are going to be looking for other alternatives like why would i live here in like especially in the digital world like why would i live here in vancouver and pay like thousands of dollars in rent when i can move to thailand and live like like literally buy like a really nice house for not that much money Mm -hmm. and like live like i mean obviously it's different culture different like location but it's like like at some point you're just gonna be like that's the only other option and then it's like well if a lot of people start doing that who's here to buy all these houses, you know what I mean? But it could be a lot of foreign investment and maybe that's like, that's the way it's been going. But yeah, it's interesting to just see like kind of where like the U S and Canadian markets are going to go. And also a lot of corporations are starting to buy, buy up real estate. So I think they're looking at that as like kind of a diversified long-term play to like make like increasing profits because they can just 
charge higher rents like in perpetuity. Like I'm interested to see like how people like people's homes that are second generation like um, Canadians that you know have like a house and then they sell it and then that money gets like passed down to the kids and how that maybe like balances things out but who knows it's kind of like we've never seen that either yeah that's an interesting point too like if money is passed down to people from their parents who've benefited hugely from the price increases maybe that'll give them the opportunity to get into the housing market but who knows yeah i mean there's a high demand still i think for housing and a low supply with um, our population so We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So from Stats Canada, in 1985, um, a house cost roughly 3.41 times the median income. Mm -hmm. And then in 2022, I think, um, it's now 7.62 times the median income. That's crazy. So like, yeah, I don't know exactly what that is, but... Another thing to consider is they did have to put more money down back then. Like they had to put, I think, 25% down and the interest, interest rates were higher, but it still doesn't really like make up for what people have to pay for a house now. I don't yeah. think. But maybe we should move towards something more optimistic now. Like, okay, so some gratitudes. I'm grateful for like kind of this standard of living in Canada. Like we get healthcare like covered by our government for the most part. Yeah. Not dental care, but, um, you know, we have clean water. We still have access to food and, you know, we're part of the lucky group that do have a roof over their head. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so I'm really grateful. Yeah. And I think the, at the same time, like, I think you can look at like, Oh, you know, like even if you like, you feasibly won't be able to buy like a house in the next like 20 years, it's like, that's like, that's not, that big of a deal like a lot of homeowners would say like like yes they like homeownership for like the investment aspect but a lot of things are like kind of a headache for a lot of things like you have to fix everything and like maintenance does cost a lot property taxes it cost so it's like there's also like a side of like if you don't if you are just renting like there's a lot of peace of mind where you just get to like live your life and like pay your rent and like you don't have to like worry about anything mm -hmm. also with work going more digital and a lot of remote work like you could just be like traveling like who says that you have to like buy a house and like have this like white picket fence life and i think for our generation we are more accepting of whatever people want to do which is nice so you don't have to do that if you want and you can just like use a lot of your money to like you know travel a lot more cheaply than our parents could like our parents would have to spend a lot, like quite a bit of money to like get places or they didn't have access to know where these hostels were in like Southeast Asia and like have this big network of like in resources online to know where to stay and what to do in different like places. So I would say that's like a huge benefit to like being in our generation as well. Yeah, I would agree. And I would say it's kind of opened our generation up to the freedom that like, if you want to live an unconventional lifestyle, like, if if I had a friend who wanted to live in a van or a car or whatever, I would be like, that's amazing. Like, I love that. That's so cool. Why are you doing it? Mm -hmm. I know why they're doing this. <laughs> Rent is so fucking expensive. But imagine, like, or if they live with their parents, say, I'd be like, yeah, save your money. Like, that's great that that, like, works, works for yeah. you and that you are able to do that. Yeah. But I imagine in our parents' generation, like if they had a friend in their late 20s or something who was living with their parents or living in a car, 
they'd be like, I'm concerned for you. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause even, yeah, like living with your parents, like if it works for you and you have like a healthy relationship, there's so many benefits to it. Like, yeah. Like having like, even when we were like during the pandemic, we were with your family, like for a period of time and we yeah. were able to divide up like the meals and like clean up and stuff and just like spend time together and like had people to socialize with. And it's really healthy for like older like people as well. Like for sure. Yeah. Going to the future, like when there's like when boomers are like, you know, in their elderly ages, it's definitely going to be like helpful um, to have opportunities like that. If that works for you to, to live together in some capacity, I think um, like split houses and like, you know, apartment in the basement and main floor is a house with a couple bedrooms is going to be pretty like normal mm-hmm. normalized multi-generational um, homes and it makes sense like like how many people really use their basement to like their effective um, capacity not not as many so yeah. yeah i think as young people we need to have innovative solutions to kind of work with what we're given yeah obviously we also need our government to step in and help fix some of these issues but I think the side hustle, like having a side hustle on top of whatever you're doing for your job, like having some way to generate additional income, whether it's like selling a skill online, um, whether it's um, dog walking, whether it's doing something like that, I think that could be really good. Or yeah, seeking out living arrangements that wouldn't have been conventional in the past. So like living, yeah, in a multi-generational home and maybe you can, you know, just contribute towards your parents' Like groceries, or you can give them money for rent, but it would still be less than $2,500 a month for a one bedroom, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all those things, like as young people, it's kind of like our burden now to like figure out how we can thrive. I would say, yeah, I think it's interesting because another thing like that I'm thinking about and that I've thought of is that our, like our generation is very much more geared towards like finding things that you like, you don't have to, like, love what you do all the time. Like, there's definitely things where you're just, like, it's not going to be the, the best. But majority of the time, you should like what your life. Like, like what you do because you spend so much time working. And I think in previous generations, they would, like, forego that because they knew that they could make more money and maybe, like, invest more and retire early, which is, like, fair. Mm-hmm. Like, do that. But it's, like, I don't know if it's – you shouldn't spend – I don't know. Like – very many years not being happy like and you know work's also good for you in a lot of ways like there's a lot of studies that show when you retire and you don't have like a good solid plan with like hobbies social life like other types of work that you enjoy doing that like you actually die earlier so it's like important to think of it as like a full scope that like i don't know for our generation we're not like i mean it's unfortunate we're just like well, when are we going to be able to like afford to like quote unquote retire? And maybe we won't, but maybe that's a good thing that you have like, like, you know, businesses and like things that you do that you keep doing for your whole life. And you just like enjoy most of the parts of doing them. And like, that's, I think more of a focus, like for our generation. Agreed. And I think with access to the internet, we have more opportunity with a lower, um, cost, of entry or barrier yeah to find different ways to make money you don't need to go to university to find like an online job or do yeah. freelance or something like that mm-hmm. or maybe you can even do free courses as long as you have an internet connection mm-hmm. or you know a public library card yeah 
or something like that. Yeah, you can pretty much learn like any skill that you want, like through, and that's even like trades and stuff. Like you could basically learn like like if you wanted to do carpentry, like you could learn like almost everything there is to know about carpentry just on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, you obviously for a lot of that stuff you do need certifications, but like you could. Yeah, pretty much, like, learn any skill that you would, like, your heart desires, whereas, like, that was blocked back in the day of, like, you would have to go to school to do that. You would have to buy, like, certain books, and that was, like, there was definitely, like, a higher cost and a barrier to entry to a lot of those things, which is not the case anymore, which is another benefit for for us. Mm-hmm. And I think we should do more podcasts on financial topics, because for those of you who don't know, Ty's really passionate about personal finance and i would say you read a lot about it yeah um you like look up stuff online and one thing that i admire is you also like put it into practice like you're you're like let's have a budget let's review our spending let's um you know like let's figure out what percentage should go where and stuff like that and um i feel like there isn't enough education on that for young people Mm -hmm. at least for our generation i didn't really get taught anything yeah. So if you're not getting taught by your parents or you're not seeking out that information, um, yeah, like, it's yeah. really unfortunate. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's financial health and it, it should be more um, common practice that people, like, get this information because it's, like, it's the same way, like, if you don't eat healthy, if you eat junk food and, like, don't go to the gym, you're not going to feel good. Same way if, like, you don't have, like, if you're not consistently, like, doing a plan and figuring out like what you want to do kind of with your money you're just kind of like reacting to life like it gets just stressful and like that's i think where people can get caught up and in our generation just because costs are higher and like you know people have student loans and all that stuff like it can get stressful but once you have a plan or you have information and knowledge it just gets easier and easier and easier so yeah i encourage anyone if you're like stressed about money the best thing you can do is just like start learning about it and like figuring out like the different habits and practices to like reduce your stress and like, like make your life a little more fulfilling, like through financial literacy. So, and we'll, we'll cover more things in the future for sure. Yeah. So thanks for listening in everyone and we'll catch you in the next episode. Take it easy. Okay.